Good morning. I always love to come and visit with the congregation here. Anytime the elders ask me, I'm here. Um, as long as the congregation over the river is okay with that, which they usually are. We've got backups. So it's great to be here. And, and uh, while, yes, you have supported me in Moldova, you've also supported the work that has gone on. We actually went to Ukraine. Um, last year I went to Poland four times to help with the Ukrainian refugees that were there, uh, brothers and sisters. Um, we've been to Mongolia. That's where really it started um, in many other places as well, Armenia. And we go there, and, and the premise is to teach the word of God. And we have this beautiful tool at our disposal that we go and, and when you go to these different countries the number one language in the world that people are trying to learn is English so we use the Bible we teach English and guess what they get the gospel and so being a part of that work and, and going which initially was, was with Bill Stewart whom the congregation here is well acquainted with over the years since becoming a Christian and learning about God's will, I've enjoyed not only being able to worship our God, not only being able to fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ, but my greatest joy has been in studying the word of God. To be able to look at it and to break it apart, not to try and get a what we call a eisegesis, but an exegesis. I want to pull out what the Holy Spirit intended. And the text that was read this morning in Matthew chapter 6 is one of those texts that has a beautiful flow through the Greek. In preparation, I looked at some of the original language. And one of the things I noticed that you can't really notice by looking at it in English is that the word that is translated treasure is the same word that we get the word thesaurus from. And in verses six, uh, verse 19, that actual word or construction of it is used two times. One right after the other. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and, and steal. The, word, the phrase lay up is the first word that is translated from the source. And the second one, obviously, is translated treasure. And it does the same thing in verse 20. Same word, utilized twice. What you don't also see is that this is written in an imperative. It's a command. Which means we don't get to choose. We must lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures are important. After all, there wouldn't be treasure hunters. I'm always fond of watching different 
shows on Discovery Channel where they're deep sea diving and looking for that pirate's treasure. And so when I think about the word of God, that's what I'm doing. I'm looking for that beautiful treasure. This morning, I want you to ask yourself, what's my treasure? What do I treasure most? When we look at our lives and we evaluate them, what do we put the most stock in? If you have your Bibles handy, look over the book of Luke with me. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, Jesus gives a parable about a rich man. Verses 15 through 21. Luke 12, beginning verse 15. And he said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? In this parable, we see a lot of my, my, my. A lot of I, I, I. It's on, the, the emphasis is on his treasures, his possessions. So when we talk about what our treasure is, we're not really just talking about things. We could be talking about things that we read. We could talk about Our electronic devices. We could talk about relationships. We could talk about music. We could talk about anything that takes precedence over Jesus. Anything that becomes an idol. And we're told in the scriptures in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15 and going all the way down to verse 17, that we're not to what? Love the world. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. And he goes on and he talks about what the world's all about. The world, it's about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so when someone is so focused on the world, when he's so focused on things that are in the world, God takes a back seat. And that's what we see that's happening in the world. From politics all the way on to the people who work from paycheck to paycheck. When God takes a back seat, that's where our treasure is. And the thing is, is is it wrong to have nice things? Is it wrong to have good relationships? Is it wrong to have 
electronic devices or is it wrong to read books that aren't the Bible? No. None of these things in and of themselves are wrong. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus isn't saying that loving our parents is wrong. He's not saying that it's wrong to love a spouse or even your children. We could take anything and put a different word in instead of father or mother, you could put another object. Anything that we put above him shows us where our heart is. Shows us where our value is. But it's not just about material possessions. It's about our time. It's about our energy. It's about our effort that we put into the things that we're doing. Is our effort only about temporary pleasures? The temporary things of this world? Or is that effort, is that energy about eternity? About heaven? These are the types of things that we need to take stock in. I know we all struggle in many different ways in our faith and our walk. And there are days, you know what, that we decide, well, I've fallen flat today. I've really missed it. And you know, I've thought about it. What kind of God would we have? If God, once in a blue moon, maybe a few minutes of the day, maybe even just a small fraction of time would think about us. What kind of God would we have if just for just a moment showed that he cared, cared for us? What kind of hope would we have? What kind of treasure would that look like? I shudder at the times when I think if God looked at me the same way that I often do to him, what life would be like. I'd have no hope. No purpose. No eternal security. Praise be to God. <laughs> He's not like that. God loves us. He cares for us. John chapter 3 verse 16. What's it say? For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God loves us. You go all the way back to the beginning when God created the world. When God created man in the garden. And God walked with man in the garden. That's love. He provided everything. 
And man had fellowship with God. But because of sin, because of disobedience, man and woman, we could no longer be in the presence of God. And from that point on, and if you, if you look at other scriptures, it says that God had a plan from the very beginning. He had a plan that we would be with him. Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 6. Paul wrote to the church at Rome, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely will a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good one. Someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us. Jesus was sin. God's plan. He loves us. God treasures us. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, we learn about all the blessings, or at least some of the blessings that we have through Jesus. Because God sent Jesus, and because Jesus went to the cross, and because his blood was shed, and that he was put to death, and that he resurrected from the grave, and is now at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. None missing. Nothing short. He goes on, he says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. By which he made us accepted in the beloved. And he goes on and he talks about. In him we have redemption. We have forgiveness. Of our sins through his blood, according to the riches of his grace. God loves us. God blesses us in his son. If you were to keep going throughout this whole passage, you see the phrase over and over again in him, in Christ. You can't think about all the treasures that we are blessed with. And not think about forgiveness. Not think about redemption. Not think about obtaining an inheritance. Being sealed with the Holy Spirit. God has blessed us. But not only has he blessed us here and now. When we think about eternity, he's blessed us likewise. You remember in John chapter 14. Jesus was talking to the disciples. And he told them, he says, he just told them and he's going to be leaving them. Verse 1 of chapter 14, he says, let your heart not be troubled. Be comforted. 
you believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Many dwelling places, as the New American Standard says. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go and prepare a place for you. God loves us. He blesses us. And he's prepared a place for us. In First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 3. Peter talks about the blessings that we've been given. About that eternal dwelling place. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a, what's it say? Living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Pick up verse 4. To an inheritance. Incorruptible. Undefiled. That does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. For a salvation ready to be revealed. In the last time. God. Through his abundant mercy. Has brought us into his house. We are his children. Through Jesus' resurrection. Death couldn't hold him. And because of that we have that inheritance. But a lot of things he gives four descriptions there. It's not going anywhere. All these descriptions, whether it's incorruptible, whether it's undefiled, whether it's unfading, whether it's reserved, all of them shows us God treasures us. He wants us to be there with him. And that's kept by the power of God. Verse 5. He says in verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though... Now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And I like verse 9, receiving the end of your face, the salvation of your souls. That's what he treasures. God wants us to dwell with him. He wants us to be with him. From the very beginning, that was the plan. And so God put the plan in motion to bring us back into his presence. We have many examples throughout the Old Testament of, well, for instance, the high priest, the temple system. The temple was built, and there was only one person that could enter it once a year, the high priest. He's the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies, but there were certain parameters he had to do, right? He had to sacrifice for his sins. 
Because if he went into that place where God is and had sin, he would have dropped dead. God is holy. And so, knowing that, knowing what God is, there's no question in my mind, Adam and Eve could not be in the garden because of their sin. They had to, there, there had to be a plan. God knew. And so we see that plan in motion today. And if God desires us that much, what's that do for you? How does it make you feel? To know that <laughs> there's a place prepared for me. There's a place prepared for all those who are obedience to the truth. Now don't get me wrong, it's easy to take for granted the blessings. It's easy to take for granted all the things that we have in Christ. That we go on living and have everything that we could ever desire. And forget the riches that we already have. It happens. The New Testament, we see lessons about falling away about people leaving the faith don't think it can happen and that's why we have constant warnings about like in Jude if you were here this morning about your faith contend earnestly for the faith we need to take stock we need to evaluate where our treasure is God has given us so much and so you might ask the question, well, pff, how could I improve? How could I know that I am treasuring him? Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. After being asked what the greatest commandment was, you remember what Jesus responded? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And it goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. What do you think God wants? God wants us to love him unconditionally. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and if you go to another passage in the Gospels, our strength. That's what God wants. That's where our focus needs to be, on loving him. That's how we show him we treasure him. Another way that we can show him um, what he means to us, Paul in the book of Colossians, beginning in verse or chapter three, if I can get there. Chapter three, verse one. He says, If then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And he goes on, he says, therefore put to death your members 
which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Seek him. Look for him. Look for the things which are eternal. Set your mind on the things that moth, rust, they can't touch. Nothing can steal it from you. And that really is a mindset. We have to have the mindset. We have to be ready because Satan's in power in this world. And he wants nothing more than to keep us from being with God in heaven. He wants us to be looking at the things that flash, that sparkle. All the things in this world that will take our focus off of him. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 and following. It was read this morning in our Bible class. Paul tells the church in, 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 in Galatia. To walk by the spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a simple solution, isn't it? We don't have to give in to all the things, all the passions, all the desires, all the th- if we have our proper focus. If we're focused on the Spirit, or we're focused on the spiritual things. And this is a struggle. He goes on and he talks about how the flesh wars with the spirit. There's a constant battle going on. We constantly are battling for our soul salvation. And the reason is because they're against each other. Our spirit, or the spirit, and the flesh are warring each other. And it's so that we don't do the things we wish. It's the conscience. It's that constant conflict that keeps us wanting to go forward. He says in verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I told you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why are lessons similar to this so important? Because we cannot afford to be lax in our faith. We cannot afford to just sit and wait for the Lord to return. And not be busy doing his work. Not be growing in our day to day walk. Not removing the things, the sins of our past that are still clinging on. You know, we struggle. And if you don't, if you don't, if you, or if you say that you don't, then... You might want to think about that a little bit. 
We all struggle in some way or form with something that has to get lost. How do we do that? Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. Seeking the things above. Looking at those things that are permanent, that are eternal. Walk in the spirit. Deny the flesh what it wants. And as we begin talking about the word, we're going to talk about it as we close. Study his word. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. His word must dwell within us richly. All these things combined together. God has left us right here. A beautiful path. One that you can't mistake. In Psalm 119 verse 11, David says, Your word I have treasured in my heart. That I might not sin against you. That's where our treasure is. Verse 105, Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Not only do you see where you're stepping, but you see where you're going. The word of God is important. James chapter 1 verse 22. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deluding yourselves. First Peter chapter 2 verse 2. Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. So that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. You know when we become Christians. There's a reason why we just don't come up out of the water and go to heaven. We got to grow. We got to grow into the child of God that he wants. That loves him, that treasures him, that seeks him above all, that walks in the spirit, that doesn't give in to the flesh. When God is first in your life and his word dwells in you richly, guess what happens? You store up treasures in heaven. What did Jesus say? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart is a beautiful thing when we're talking about loving God keeping his commandments, doing his will. And so the question I began with is this, what is your treasure? What do you treasure most? Now it's, pretty ans- it's a pretty easy answer to say, well, it's God, right? God's my treasure. But don't walk away from this lesson and keep doing what you're doing, at least if what you're doing is not putting him first. He demands it. He will not take anything less. God is holy, and what does he expect? Holiness. He expects us to love him, 
to follow him, to do his will. Now, praise be to God, he sent his son, we have forgiveness. Paul said, I die daily. Remember that? Why, is, why did he have to die daily? Because that self keeps coming back. You have to continue to be on guard. So, if you're here this morning and you're not treasuring him, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you'd like to study on how to be more pleasing to God. Whatever the need is, if you need to put him on this morning in baptism, to be forgiven of your sins, or if you just need to repent and return to him, whatever the need is, now's the time to come while we stand and sing the song of invitation.